Hello members of the Poland community and Wazoo students. My name is Sheila Johnson and you're listening to the Evergreen Editorial. Hi, today with me we have Raul Jimenez and Lannon Ruiz, our culture editor. Um, Raul, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Raul Jimenez, a senior in the Digital Technology Culture Department with the minor in Viticulture and Knowledge. I've been here for five years now, so it's kind of, I'm just waiting to graduate. It's my last semester, so I'm pretty excited for that. I have quite a few plans after I graduate. So I just wanted to start it out with, you know, how's the semester going for you? How have things been? Um, you know, please tell us about the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so the semester, so actually over winter break, I um, I like to do a lot of like manifestation, things like that. I like to write things down, like to picture, put it into picture kind of what I want to do in the future, um, which is a main reason why I really stuck to photography is like my creative side. Over winter break, I did have COVID, so I really was just like isolated and it was right during like Christmas and like New Year's, you know, so it was kind of tough to like hear your family and everything and you're just kind of in one room. But during that time, it really got me to think like, what do I want to do next? Like I'm in a comfortable zone right now, but I don't want to be comfortable. I want to keep pushing. And it was already in my mind for a while to start a podcast. And I had been doing some research on all that. So then I decided, you know what, like this is the semester to do it. I was also getting starting an internship for the Chicken Next Light Next Center at Cub 402. And so I was doing the whole like blueprint for that. So and that kept me really like, well, like I have really good ideas for this. Like I really want to pursue all this. And so every week we have different type of content coming out. And so, yeah, so every so ever since I got back, it's just been kind of go, go, go. Mm -hmm. But it's been the go, go, go that I like that is doing the things that I like to do and that I know that I've been studying for. And it's not just go, 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 do things that don't really, like, interest you, but you have to get done. Mm -hmm. So this one feels a little different. So it's making me more emotional, I guess, knowing that it's my last semester. And then it feels like I'm just starting to do things that I've always wanted to do. But I don't know. I just hope it goes in a good way after graduation. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. It's a lot going on. Can you... um kind of list off everything that you're doing outside of just class and then talk about how you manage to juggle all of that and manage <laughs> your time. Yeah, so um, so the way I figured out how to juggle all that, so I actually graduated high school in 2017. So I came to the BCU fall of 2017. I was here for my freshman year, but it didn't go that well. Um, I ended up having a 1.3 GPA overall. Had to drop out of school for a bit. I was in financial hardship. And then during that time, I was still here in Pullman, and that's when I really was like, you know what, like I want to pursue photography. I had a mentor at the time who really pushed me to like keep going and figure out how to get back into school. So I went ahead and did that. I came back fall of 2019. Yeah, I came back. And at that time, I entered the digital technology culture department. I became more involved with Crimson Group, Mecha. I started learning about other organizations on campus. Um, I became co-chair for Crimson Group. And I was co-chair for two years and then I became student advisor. As a student advisor, I got to help out the new kind of like after COVID leaders that were jumping into like something they hadn't seen quite yet. But at that same time, I realized that I want to do something a little different. I knew that I could create a vision and a platform through photography and videography to help represent these communities. So I took a step back from those organizations I'm not in the leadership positions. I'm only a member now, 
But with that, it gives me more time to actually sit down and have these conversations with different individuals and get to hear all about them. So currently right now, what I do have active is my personal pages of photography, the podcast, The Untold Story. Um, and then I'm a mentor for the Chicken X Latinx Center. And I'm also the marketing intern for that center. Um, how do you feel as a mentor? What does that mean to you? Well, I had a really good mentor, which is what kind of inspired me to become a mentor. I didn't think I was mentor worthy when I just got back to school, especially because I was just trying to figure everything out again. At that time, though, I was really creating the momentum for myself. Now that I kind of I look at it as like I went really like I almost hit rock bottom pretty much. And then I was able to come back. So I really learned like the whole system of like school, like financial hardships, having to come back, being undocumented on campus, do, and then advocating at the local, state, and national level. I got to meet so many people and hear so many stories. And I was like, you know what, like in my own like field, like the reason I struggled so much to find what I wanted to do is because I never really got presented that like vision at all. Like it was always for me, I grew up working in the field, doing the warehouses, restaurants, things like that. So for me to now become a creative, it's really different for my family. Like nobody has seen it yet. And in the beginning, they weren't completely like with it. They're like, why? Like, you know, how's that going to make you money? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you spending your money on all this? And now like it's <laughs> like actually last night, my dad. Um, so I posted my first episode and everything, like all my social media platforms. And he was sharing it on all his platforms last night. And he was like putting on there like that. He was so proud and everything. And I, so I was just thinking of like, I remember when I bought my first camera and he was kind of like upset that like I spent a whole paycheck on everything. And now he's like hyping everything up that I do. So yeah, it was like a complete like full circle. So now with like the mentees that I have, I try to sit down with them one-on-one -on -one before we do like any group activities with them. I like to learn like who they are, where they come from, what do they like to do? I and mean, I do different activities with different with uh, with them, depending on what they like. Like with one of them, we go on photo shoots. Another one, he's a barber and he wants to get into making videos for his for his passion. So and I'm teaching him like the whole editing like process and all that. And at the same time, like I'm helping him get more clients for for cutting hair and stuff like that. And he's been he's been really good at it. And I'm you know really proud of him. There's others that have more focus into school. So I give them more tips on like how to stay, um, how to stay active in school, how to eat like healthy, not burn out because I've definitely been there various times and I see them with, like with jobs and extracurriculars and then school on top of that. And then they have like 16, 17 credit schedules. So it's like, you know, you need to take time for yourself. So and I teach them ways to like really sit down and reflect and then keep going. Or if things get tough, what can you do to like not overwhelm yourself? Mm hmm. How do you think this role as a mentor will affect your future after Wazoo? Um, I think it's already affecting me right now, actually, with like the podcast. I feel like there's so many things that I can offer, but so many things that everybody else can offer. So on the podcast, I have people right now. My first episodes were seniors and juniors. Then my future episodes are going to have some freshmen in there. And then it's going to have alumni in there. So and I want to be able I want to be able to show to people the like the different ages that we all carry, but yeah, we can all help each other out depending mm -hmm. on what age you're at. Like there's no one set timeline of like when you're supposed to do things. It's everyone's journey that's different and everyone learns things at a different pace. And if you just help each other out, I mean, mm -hmm. it just really amplifies you. And so I think like for the future, I'm really gonna try and continue that to help as many people as I can. I know I wanna stay active in the advocacy 
outside of like myself. Since I'll be moving to the west side after graduation, I want to connect back to those groups that I've worked for in the past and just be like, hey, like I'm living over here now and you know, like just let me know when your meetings are and stuff like that and you know, I'll see what I can do as well. Are there any like other future projects, especially for the podcast that you want to, you know, dive a little deeper into, maybe some video components that go alongside it or photography that you would do with the podcast? Yeah, so I've thought about where ultimately where I want to take the podcast is eventually it becomes its own show and I can bring on people like it becomes big enough where like people like I guess like nationwide know what it is. But I don't want to bring on individuals that already get brought on to like big shows like that, like let's say like Elon Musk or stuff like that. Like he gets mm-hmm. brought on to pretty much every single show. Like everybody wants to have him because he has a, such a big success story. But there's success stories at, that are more relatable to like the public. So imagine like, you know, like I'm based like, let's say somewhere in California and all of a sudden I get someone from like, from like up here, like in Pullman, like, hey, like I know you're a high school student, college student, but I've heard about you. I want you to come down over here. And that type of like, that type of impact is so much greater than bringing in someone that's already successful. Mm-hmm. And, but that's where I want to take that. And photography, what I want to do is ultimately make campaigns for different movements. I've followed a, a lot of photographers that do that. And I'm still kind of working on how, like trying to figure out how all that works. But it really like inspires me. And like those pictures really, I see them telling a story. And I feel like that's where I still need to work on like having the pictures to tell a story so that's where i want to take photography with that so it's called the untold story yeah um could you go a little bit more into like the name of why you decided to name that and you know why it's so important to make sure that these stories are being told and you know bringing mm-hmm. to life yeah so as i mentioned i got to meet different people from different places of like the country last summer i was flown out to dc by united we dream to help help uh, capture videos and pictures for um, DACA's anniversary. And over there, I going over there, I didn't know anybody. And I knew there was going to be people going from all around the country. And I was just kind of like, I'm flying out by myself from Pullman. I'm going to take like three flights to get over there. I'm flying overnight. And then I'm going to get there right before a meeting starts. And I don't know anybody. So I was really, really nervous. But I got to meet such amazing people that are just so powerful and do so much for the communities. But... I realized like some of them are as close as like Seattle, Boise, uh, Oregon, California. And I was like, and I've never like, I've been to those places and I never like encountered them. And so I got to thinking like, why? Like, why is this a thing? Like these stories should be told. There was their personal stories when they started opening up to me. And it was just like, you know, like I started thinking like, even for myself coming from undocumented community, you know, when I feel like when I kind of like searched that up, all that comes out is like the statistics or like the age groups um, if more male or like female or like um, undocumented things like that. It's always statistics. It's never, you know, like there's this so-and-so person that is undocumented, but is doing all these different things and they're benefiting their community in this way. And I feel like that way it's, it's more impactful to like the whole community and the world itself. I've always believed that if you want to change the world, you can't change people's minds as you got to change their hearts. And so the untold story is it kind of captivates you of like, oh, I wonder like what that is. So it gives you that little like mystery of like why the untold story. And when you start listening to it, you start to realize that it's stories that we all are familiar with, but we've never actually spoken about. So that's why I called it the untold story. Wow, that's amazing. I'm really excited for the other, you know, the other ones and uh, to finish listening to this first episode. So, yeah. Wow.
Yeah, and with that as well, um, the podcast itself, I want it to be a message that you don't have to be perfect to start off. Like this first video, like I already made like editing mistakes, filming mistakes, and but it's all right, you know, like when I was editing, I was like, it's all right. Like I'm supposed to go through this in order for me to get to that point where it's just like professional. Like I can't be professional if I don't go through this. And me showing that vulnerability of it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to like show the world that you make mistakes because that's, that's how would you put it? That's unique, you know, like everybody tries to be like so perfect on social media, but you forget to show like the progress sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, can I shift gears a little bit so we can talk about the tamales? Mm. Yeah, you had a fundraiser last mm-hmm. fall, correct? That was yeah. for your Docker renewal? Yes. Could you actually talk a little bit about that? I was, me and my roommate were actually able to buy some. I wasn't uh, aware that it was for you. She was the one who bought them, but uh, yeah. they were super amazing. If you could tell us a little bit about that fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I had a fundraiser in the past. Um, this was when I was still part of Crimson Group. At that time, we had a huge event where we were able to raise over $11,000 for Docker Renewals, Emergency Funds, and um, Emergency Assistance. And because we raised that much, that amount of money, a lot of students requested money that were in these situations. To hear these stories really put me in the perspective that I forget sometimes how privileged I am to have Docker as it is. And hearing these stories, I really got down to think, like, I am very lucky. Like, I'm able to sustain a job. I'm able to be, you know, physically aware and mentally aware of where I'm at. I have two amazing parents that always back me up. I have a little sister who's 13 and, like, is so aware of, like, things going on. And it's just, you know, she tells me that, like, (laughs) I'm her inspiration and stuff. And it just really gets me to, like, you know, like, I can do so much more. And there's others that need help. So at that time, I made a fundraiser, uh, a taco sale, and it really got it got really big and everything. And and so for this time, I was like, you know what, like, like yes, like I could get emergency assistance from the groups on campus, but I have the means to make my own fundraiser. So I'm gonna make my own fundraiser. I teamed up with one of my roommates actually, and and so we decided to make this um, tamale sale. And her mom helped us out. They're based off in Tri Cities. So we drove down to Tri-Cities to make, what was it, 500 of them? And so we spent a whole day making them, and then once they cool down and everything, and we can transport them, we drove back to Pullman, and then we delivered and then had them for pickup on Sunday. So that was that experience. Um, so the Docker renewals are 4.95 each, and every two years they expire, so every about year and a half you have to start the paperwork. And the paperwork is... It can be very tedious. Um, you can't get too personal, but you gotta get personal enough to make it known that you deserve to be here, which at the same time, it's, you know, we do so much already as we have to be students, we have to have jobs, we have to be exceptional citizens or exceptional residents. I can't even say we're citizens. <laughs> we, we have like no status. Um, and then we still have to go through this every year and a half. And it just really, during that process, I don't know how others may feel, but for myself, it kind of slows you down and it makes you just kind of, why can't I just continue with life? You know, like, why do I have to keep doing this every year and a half and have to write a whole new write-ups every single time and just like pretty much plead that I'm like worth being here. And it just kind of gets you, it gets you in like an emotional state and we can't afford to like 
just drop down. Like, we got to keep going. So then it, you have, like, those breakdowns, and the next day it's just like, all right, get back up and keep going. And it gets exhausting eventually. You know, you burn out, but it all comes with time and learning how to do that. So now now when we had, like, the Maliseo, um, it was the first time that my roommate did a fundraiser for herself. So and I was kind of, like, showing her, you know what, like, we have to be careful with this. Um, we're not posting our address because it can... It can get leaked to like the wrong wrong places, so we only do that to the people that are actually buying some of this. And then we text them personally. We confirm the orders because the previous time I made a lot of mistakes since I did it by myself. I didn't even ask for help or nothing. It was literally just me by myself. And yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. And I drove at that time. I drove all the way to Brewster, which is like about four hours from here. And my parents helped me prep everything. And then I drove back the same day, so I drove eight hours. Still did the delivery and the pickup at my house while we were cooking the meat at the same time. And I started at that time at 7 p.m. and I didn't end till like 1 a.m. And it was just by myself and I was just so exhausted that I didn't even eat that day. I just went straight to bed. I was just tired and then this was on a school night. So the next day I still had to go to school and so I couldn't afford to just like, let me take a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have very much knowledge about DACA. Is that mm-hmm. something you have to apply? For? What when do you start applying for DACA? Yeah, so you have to be 16 years of age. There are other requirements of when you enter the United States, how long you've been here. You have to prove all that. Um, you have to get your biometrics done. So pretty much, they have all the information about us. Um, we get pretty much not priority to get deported. We have an opportunity to get a social security number and a work authorization card. And with DACA, uh, I was able to start working. I remember when I got DACA, I was, before that, I was working in the fields under the table. And so I was just getting paid in cash. When that happens, though, you get ripped off really bad. They don't pay you what the actual wages are because since they're not reporting it, there's nothing that they can get cut up on. So then they start abusing all that labor. Um, They is just meaning, you know, different organizations, companies, and... And yeah, so when I got DACA, I remember I was so happy when like my social security card number came in and then my, my employment authorization card came in that I went out and looked for a job that very same day because I just wanted to see like a check actually written to my name and I can actually open up like a bank account, apply to different things. Um, it's letting me apply to get a credit card and I learned how to like perfect like a credit score and all that. And I've had it for about a year and a half and I'm sitting at 785 right now. So I've really like, you know, took that upon myself. Um, DACA, it does expire every two years. The permit, I guess you can call it, every two years. And like I said, every year and a half, you have to start the paperwork. These paperwork get sent to different offices around the country. Some offices are known to be more strict than others. And also, it depends who looks at your application that you could get rejected or not. Sometimes literally just one box is like you didn't shade it in completely and they'll send it back or um there's one like little typo they'll send it back even though like it's obvious what you know your intention was they'll send it back um the letter at the end that we have to write of pretty much like plain why we we deserve to be here it has to be grammarly correct there could be no mistakes not too personal but personal enough that they can see who you are without having to meet you and so yeah, usually you have to go to lawyers and all that to get that revised. Um, luckily here at WC, you know, there's, a, there's undocumented initiatives and Crimson Group who have gone to the immigration clinic. 
So then the students and for their families are able to go and get consultations, which is amazing because for me, when I was going to a lawyer before that, I was paying about an extra $300 just to get my application revised. So that was 300 on top of the 495 and then making the trip to Seattle to visit that lawyer. So I was spending close to $1,000 just to get that every two years. So yeah, that's kind of kind of DACA and like the journey for it. It did get started in 2012, um, but the idea of it started back in 2007, 2008, but even before that, it was already getting thought of, of something to provide the pathway for, a pathway to citizenship, but this doesn't give us a pathway to citizenship. All it does is just give us temporary protective status that for two years, um, yeah, so the only way really to citizenship is joining the military or getting married and even the military I can join the Air Force and that's another huge thing that happens that mostly we get recruited to the army just because they have the highest death rate so that's like another little side thing that's in there it's not a you know it's not acknowledged that that's the reason but we know like that's the reason like why is that the only one we can really get into like that easily mm -hmm. but yeah what advice do you have to anybody else who you know is also struggling with um, getting funds for DACA or, you know, specifically in like similar situations for mm -hmm. like you? I think it's really, it really depends on everybody. I know for myself, growing up, I knew it was undocumented, but I didn't know what it meant until, until around like 20, uh, 2016 when I wanted to, so in high school, I had the idea I wanted to go to the Air Force. And so like, that was my idea for the four years of high school. In 2016, 2017, when it was my senior year, I was going through like, I guess the process only to find out I couldn't join because of my undocumented status. So pretty much the only plan I had for after high school just got torn down in one phone call. And so I didn't know what to do or nothing. I came to WSU because one of my friends convinced me that, you know, like you might as well go to college, like try something. So I came over here and I found the Crimson Group who had these leaders that were just so powerful and had no fear of like their background, no fear of like judgment. And I just remember thinking like the first time I saw him in the rally was like, you know what, like I wanna be like you, like I wanna have that confidence that I can sit in a room full of people that don't approve of DACA and tell them like, I am undocumented, I am on DACA and I am unafraid of you. And I just looked forward so much to be able to say that. So the day that I did it just felt amazing to me. But with that also, I also understand that not everybody can do that. It takes a lot of will. And I still get the shakes when I say it. So I know how nerve-wracking it can be. Anxiety levels rise up like crazy. So I got to say, it's just, I don't know. I, I learned to put myself first at all times and just trust the process, I guess. Mm -hmm. And just keep going and rely on your community. They're, they're really going to be out there for you. I had to learn to ask for help. And once I did, this huge community opened up that even now that like I opened up the podcast, like yesterday I was in the elevator and this random girl like was like, oh, I was listening to your podcast yesterday and I or uh, earlier today and I really liked it. And I was just like, really? I was like, wow. I was like, thank you. And I was like, I have no idea who you are, but like, thank you, you know? I mean, yeah, like you just have no idea who's watching you or listening, you, listening to you. And if you have something to offer to the world, I think it'd be a little selfish not to put it out there. You know, like just go for it. It's gonna work out eventually. And before you know it, doors just open up left and right. And life just 
gets better. <laughs> um, what is the best advice that you can give yourself, not as a mentor, not as a photographer, but simply just to yourself? To myself? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> um, it's a huge mental battle, and I just have to remember where I came from, and that ever since I was, ever since I came to the U.S., I nobody like I've never been believed on. Since kindergarten, I was told that I was dumb or I was too dumb to pass kindergarten was what my parents were told at a parent-teacher conference. And as a little kid, I took that to heart. And now I think about it like, why would you say that to a little kid? You know, like, who in their right mind would say that? But luckily, I was able to pass through all that. I learned English pretty much by myself. And once I started picking up what words meant, I just started reading about a book a day, trying to understand like how words work, like the language worked. And the sad part about that though is I lost the accent that I carried coming to the US. So now when I mean people from like the, so I was born in Mexico City. Now when people like meet me that are from that area, they're like, you would like, we would not think that you're from there. And it's, it's a little heartbreaking knowing kind of that identity of myself was broken but I get to create my own identity now and I get to create my own story. And that's nothing that anybody could ever take away from me. Amazing, thank you. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much for talking about this with us and being so vulnerable on some of these pieces. So I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. That was Raul Jimenez. You can access the Untold Story podcast on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, I'll see you guys next time.